Praise God. You ready for the word this morning? Excellent. Cool bananas. Turn to the person next to you and tell them it's okay to be real. It's okay to be real. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning. I thank you for the power of your spirit uh, coming and, uh, and showing us things, revealing things, encouraging us in ways that maybe we've never thought of in the past. I thank you that as I speak, Holy Spirit, that you'd speak more powerfully, that you would reach into the very hearts of your people and bring inhabitation and transformation and that you would uh, do an incredible work uh, by your spirit in each and every one of our hearts and minds. I pray that people hear stuff that I don't even say. I pray that you speak to them so profoundly that about this, this whole area of uh, what I'm going to talk on in a way that just brings revelation from your word. It pulls back the veil and that we can see the absolute necessity of one another as we move forward together in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Um, Last week I spoke about um, what truly connects us as believers in Christ. And it's likely we've heard uh, or we've read about the one another's in the Bible. You know, where we accept one another, we encourage one another, we can learn from one another, we can honor one another. And we can, we've, we've heard, probably heard all of those expressions within the Bible at some point. See, being connected together isn't the result of doing those one another's but rather the result of our connection, our relationship with God. So the one another's of the Bible where we accept one another, believe in one another, love one another, it, it, it's that that enables us to do that is, is the fact that we are connected in God. God has connected us together by the sacrificial uh, shedding of Jesus' blood and when we place our faith in that and we become born again, it is that that then enables us to have the one another's where we start to encourage one another, believe in one another and so on. One of the greatest needs I believe that people have is actually the need to belong, a place where you can be loved, accepted and included and that's what we want this church to be like. That's the sort of church we want Infused Church to be. A place where you and your family and friends can feel that you belong and that you can connect. A place where you can yourself feel that same thing. But also at the same time to become like Christ in our relationship with others. It's really important. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 out of the Message Bible says this. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. In other words, my, my paraphrase of this is that where you have no place to belong, where you have no place to call home, where you can't experience life with, with others, uh, you're no longer in that realm. Because you are, you're, you're connected by the blood of Jesus, you now have a place you can call home. You now have a place where God is, is establishing you in the family of God, in, the, in his body, the, the, the body of Christ, then you have a place to belong. It, it goes on to say, this, uh, this kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home, it says, and he's using us all, irrespective of how we got here in what he is building. 
I love that passage. I think it's incredibly powerful when you start to understand what God is saying by his word. You don't have to wander around. You can be a part of the body of Christ, a part of the family of God where God is connecting you in. God is building something and he's building it here at Infused Church. One of the most powerful ways of creating a place to belong is by creating a place where we can be real with each other. A place where our strengths and our gifts are celebrated and our struggles and our fears can be shared by being vulnerable with each other. James chapter 5 verse 16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. See, this is the deal. For us to talk with someone about our struggles and then to pray together means that someone let their guard down and they got real. It goes on. Acts chapter 2 verses 45. This is the birth of the early church. One part of this talks about selling their possessions and goods and they gave to anyone as they had a need. In order for them to sell their possessions and their goods and to meet someone's need means that someone took their mask off and they got real. They were vulnerable with each other. They were sharing their temptations and their trials. And this is what being vulnerable with each other is all about. The Bible talks a lot about doing things as a part of God's body, His church. We're put together, we're joined together, we're built together, we're members together, we're heirs together, we are fitted together, we're held together, and we are eventually caught up together to be in glory with Jesus Christ. Our relationship to Christ is personal, but God never intended for it to be private. In God's family, we are connected to every other believer. The best part of being human is uh, is being able to connect with other people. We are hardwired for it. Have a think about it. We live in families. We work in groups. We love as couples and we thrive in friendships. We're never meant to do life alone. Never meant to go on this journey through life alone. The desire to connect is in all of us, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. Yet in that desire to connect, we mistakenly believe that we can only connect through our strengths, our abilities, our successes, and our achievements. Just look at social media. Just look at social media where we see the majority of the posts that are put up there are the positive things. They're the, the best hair days that we have. There's the bragging about the success of our kids and our family. or when we, we can even laugh at ourselves on social media too. I want to tell you, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But, the, but let's not believe that people's lives are a perfect reflection of their social media posts. You're just getting the best of the stuff that's happened in the week. Today, we're going to see more and more loneliness. We're seeing that today. There's more depression. There's more broken relationships. There's more disconnection than at any other time in history. What on earth is happening? See, our culture has put strength, beauty, achievement, and success on a pedestal at the expense of being real, open, honest, and vulnerable. 
We often don't truly connect with others because we fear being exposed or rejected or ridiculed if we were actually real with someone. But here's the good news. Praise God for good news. God specializes in turning weaknesses into wins, vulnerabilities into victories, struggles into strengths. And he wants to turn our greatest weaknesses and to transform it into our greatest win in life. I want to tell you right now, it is likely that the thing that you struggle with the most is the thing that God wants to use to reach out to other people the greatest. The things that you're struggling with, the things that you're going through that you're finding so hard are likely the very things that God wants to, to bring out, to bring a, a victory out of, a win out of, uh, so that he can show other people what he can do with you and with me. If we really want to be connected, then it begins with being vulnerable. The more we let our guard down, take our masks off and share our struggles, the more that God will be able to use us and others will connect more strongly with us. The Apostle Paul, he shared his vulnerabilities in most of his letters in the New Testament. He shared his failures. Romans 7.19 says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. He shared his feelings in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, verse 11. He said, I've told you all my feelings. He shared his frustrations in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. He says, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought that we would never live through it. See, Paul also shared his fears. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, when I came to you, I was weak and fearful and trembling. This is the same Paul who became real and then had the greatest influence in that the, the, nan, the known world at that time in which the majority of the New Testament comes to us through. God used him because he was real. God used him because he was warts and all right there for us all to see and gives us hope that God can do something with us. So what is vulnerability? I'm glad you've asked. Number one. Vulnerability is risk. It's risky. It can be scary to lower our defenses and to open up our lives to others when we reveal our failures, our fears, our frustrations, and, 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 and the whole thing there. We risk rejection. But the, I've got to tell you, the benefits are worth, worth the risk. The benefits are Proverbs 17, verse 17. It says this, A friend loves at all times, and a brother was born for adversity. What does it mean? It means that a friend can walk with us in our triumphs and our trials. One reason that is we have such friends is that when we go through adversity, so we, we take the risk and, and, and we can be vulnerable in that moment. We can take a risk because there's a friend that's there to walk with us. Does that make sense? Second thing, vulnerability is freedom. Opening up relieves stress. It, it, it diffuses our fears and it's the first step towards freedom. 1 Peter 5 verses 5 to 6 says this, All of you clothe yourselves with humility 
toward one another because God opposes the proud. He opposes the ones that say, I've got it all together. He opposes the ones that say, no, no, I don't need your help. I'm all, I'm all good on my own. He, he opposes those ones that say, you know, I, I just don't need anybody else's help. I just want to disconnect. I'm good, mate. God opposes those people, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So God, it's God who gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to those who are vulnerable. God gives grace to those who are real. See, we often misunderstand humility. Humility isn't putting ourselves down or denying our strengths. It's being finally honest and open about our weaknesses and in the end, all the secrets that hold us bound. It's, it's being open and honest with people. The more we are honest, the more of God's grace that we get and more we will receive from others as well. A third thing that vulnerability is. Vulnerability is attractive. It's attractive, baby. We are naturally drawn to real, humble people. Pretentiousness actually repels people but being real attracts and vulnerability is a pathway to intimacy. It's why God wants us to use our vulnerability and our weaknesses, not just our strengths. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, My grace is all you need, for my power works best in weakness. If we are wanting to access the power of God, if we're wanting to be real, then at some point, we've just got to open ourselves up to this and say, God, I can't do this. I've come to the end of myself. And God says, finally, now I can do something. When we're being attacked, quite often what we want to do is to defend ourselves. We want to, to get in there. So it's not like you, you've heard. It's not like that. And we want to defend ourselves. And God steps back and says, okay, you go for it. But if we step back instead, we said, God, I'm going to let you defend me. I'm going to be open and real in this moment. I'm just going to, not going to defend myself. Let's let God do that. Why don't we let God step into that moment and defend us? Because he can defend us so much better than we could ever do that ourselves. Vulnerability is attractive. If all people see are our strengths, then they get discouraged and think, well, it's good for them, but I could never do that. I don't have their gift. I can't speak like them. I can't serve like them. I can't cook tea like them. I can't do the things that they do. I, they, they connect so well with people. I can't do that. And we put it out of reach of people. But when others see God connecting with us and loving us because of our weaknesses and failures, where we fail to measure up, it encourages them to say, maybe God could do that for me. See, our strengths create competition, but our weaknesses create community. Let me say that again. Our strengths create competition, but our weaknesses create community. At some point, we must decide whether we are going to impress people or influence people. We can impress people from a distance. 
but we must get close to influence them. And when we do that, they will be able to see our flaws. And you know what? It's okay. That's okay. I'm not sure if you know this. This is a big revelation for most of you today. But I've got a pimple just here. You might not be able to see that from a distance. I might look perfect to you. But as you get closer, you might see my flaws. I've got a pimple just here. That's it. That's it. I've got a pimple. I, I, I don't know how I can live my, myself with a pimple. At 57 years of age, I've got a pimple. Who, who, like what? It's crazy. I've got a pimple. See, that's what happens. From a distance, I impress you with my good looks. But when you get close, you see the pimples. And if it's a really bad day, you might see something else. My nose hair, that's what it was. Number four. Vulnerability is actually the driving force of connection. Vulnerability is actually the driving force of connection. It's courageous. It's tender. And it's impossible to connect without being vulnerable. But we've turned being vulnerable into being a weakness. We've made ourselves strong. We've toughened up. We've hardened up. We've protected ourselves from being hurt. I'm not going to let them do that anymore to me. I'm going to close ranks and I'm going to wrap my arms around myself. I'm not going to let them get close again. We've protected ourselves from being vulnerable. But here's the deal. Here's the problem. When we close down our vulnerability, we are shielded from hurt. Yes, but we are also shielded in the same instance from love, intimacy, and from connection. We close ourselves off to the very things that we're we're wanting in life. They all come through that same door. When we close ourselves off to one, we close ourselves off to them all. Without vulnerability, relationships will always struggle. Number five, vulnerability is, this is me. That's what vulnerability is. This is me. Vulnerability says this, here I am, my frayed edges, my secrets, my fears, my affection. Be careful. They're precious. And in return, this invites the, the response. Oh, I see you there. It's okay. You're safe. And look here. This is me. It's where this connection happens at a deeper level than just saying, hey, how you doing? It's a deeper level of connection where we are actually vulnerable with one another to open ourselves up to reveal what's really in our heart, warts and all. Vulnerability builds builds trust, intimacy, and a sense of belonging. Relationships won't thrive without it. Vulnerability is openness to experiences and people and uncertainty. And you know what? Vulnerability at times is absolutely terrifying. And, but it's always courageous. Occasionally we get hurt. Relationships and the pain that sometimes comes from them is unavoidable and it's part of being human. But when it happens... It can harden us. But we can see this for what it is. Sometimes there's a mismatch of people. Sometimes there's a redirection that we need to take. There's a learning that we need to go through 
in those relationships. Or we can take it as a warning and protect ourselves from being hurt again. Then when we make the decision to not be vulnerable, we shut down. However, by shutting down to the risks of being vulnerable, we also shut down to the possibilities. The possibilities of joy, of intimacy, of closeness, of gratitude and connection. So are we connected or not? What makes the difference about being connected? There's a lady by the name of Breen Brown. She's a research professor from the University of Houston. She's an expert in the field of vulnerability. And she's looked at those who have a strong sense of connection and belonging and those who don't. Her research found that the difference between the two groups, those who connect well and those who don't, was that those who had a strong sense of love and belonging believed that they were worthy of it. People who believe that they're worthy of connection experience greater connectedness. When people believe that they're worthy of connection, they are much more likely to connect. This is my way of putting this. Okay, Let me put it this way. The people that have a greater sense of connection and being able to to be vulnerable with people are the sort of people that have a clear sense of identity about who they are and whose they are. You know who you are and you know whose you are. Does that make sense? It means when we are vulnerable, that we can say, I love you. The the people that connect well and are vulnerable, they're they're quick to say, I miss you. Not in the absence sometimes of, of someone, but in the growing apart of just being with people. They'll ask for help and they'll be open to love and affection and influence of others. They'll be grateful and they will be connected. And this doesn't always mean that they get what they want. But what it does mean is that they are willing to be open and vulnerable in relationships because their potential for embarrassment and humiliation is less. Because they realize this is just me and you're just you. And let's go on a journey together. If the connection falls apart, if the I love you is left hanging, if the I miss you isn't returned, that a request for help is declined, People who believe that they are worthy of connection are less likely to blame themselves and their own unworthiness for the disconnection. It's just how things are sometimes. They are often the people who other people want to be with. They allow themselves to be vulnerable and they make it safe for others to do the same. So how do we live vulnerable? How do we live vulnerable? Here's just a few points that may help you in living vulnerable this morning. Number one, live from a place of love. Live from a place of love. We can connect because we are loved unconditionally by the Father. We can be vulnerable and open because we're already accepted by God that way. He didn't wait for you to get good before he sent Jesus. In fact, when you were at your most rebellious stage in life, Christ died for you. He died for me in my most rebellious stage. Let the love of God be the place that we live out from with our lives. 
Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says this, You may not know that God loves you, but this is what he says. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Listen to and move towards what we really want, connection with God and others. It's that voice that speaks from intuition, the experience and and things that are unsaid. The signal at times that may be faint and sometimes it's not, to love openly and honestly and to receive it also gratefully from other people. Connection, to be connected, to be loved and celebrated, to love and to celebrate others is what we want. So let's move towards what we want and be vulnerable to the risk. It's the bravest thing that we'll ever do. When we live from a place of love, we feel when, it's the, when there's something that is missing, but we don't let it stay that way. What we do then is to, number two, live from a place of courage. We allow the love of God that's within us to move us towards a place of courage. We recognize that people around about us are the very people that Christ died for. He's the, they're the ones that he loves as much as he loves us. So therefore, If God loves them, you've got to love them too. And sometimes that takes courage. Sometimes that takes courage. What do we do if we could act without fear of rejection? What could we do? Would we change jobs? Would we follow our passion? Would we tell someone that we love them? Tell someone that we miss them? Would we expect more for ourselves? Would we fight harder for the relationship that we're in? We can't trust that we're we're not going to be rejected or disappointed, but we can trust that we will cope with it if it happens, which we will. What's harder to live with is teetering around the edges of something that feels important, wanting more but never dropping our guard enough, being vulnerable enough to let others into our world. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says, be strong and courageous. Let me say it again, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Live from a place of courage. Be bold, be strong. Fight for it. Fight for the relationships around about you. Fight for that intimacy. Fight for the vulnerability. Fight to stop being closed off. Live from a place of what if. What if? At times we've got to question our beliefs. As we believe things for so long, they start to settle in and they stay. We've got to challenge sometimes whether or not that thing is still working for us. What if we opened up and took a chance and let ourselves be vulnerable? Too often our behavior is driven by the need to avoid rejection and shame. The need to to avoid being unworthy of love or connection and receiving uh, what we've asked for. The more we think that we're not worthy, the more that we'll act like it and we'll just disconnect. What if we believed that we were worth the connection? Romans chapter 8 verse 31 to 39 out of the the message translation says this. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? 
If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else that he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point the finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way, no trouble, no hard times, no hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. They, uh, we're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Warts and all. Troubles, trials, tribulation, temptations, everything that we're struggling with, the very thoughts that we have going down the street sometimes, those are the things. It's in those moments that God embraces us, recognizing our humanity. Yet we beat ourselves up and others too for being human. What, what, what just, just once, just once to embrace someone in their vulnerability. The risk of not receiving is always there, but it's no reflection of any unworthiness in us because we know who we are and whose we are. Number D is live from a place of embracing vulnerability. People with a strong sense of love and belonging believe vulnerability is a necessity. They believe that within their vulnerabilities are the things that make them beautiful. And you know what? They're absolutely right. It's the very things that makes people beautiful. Causes us to open up our hearts. Vulnerability is key to connection because it is the courage to be open to another person. It says the words that are pressing from the inside out. It's opening ourselves up to somebody and getting closer. It's letting them know that we love them and care for them and want to build relationship with them. It's giving without expectation or agenda and receiving the same with an open heart. Those are the things that vulnerability is. What vulnerability isn't is this. Vulnerability isn't oversharing and offering every detail of our lives up for consumption by anyone who draws a breath. You need wisdom. It's about intention, that those that we hold close or that we want to hold close, those we believe that are worth taking a risk for. We open up, we let them know that we offer some of ourselves and hope that it will be received. To an extent, vulnerability has to be earned by others. It takes time to build trust in any relationship. But that shouldn't stop us from starting to build trust and honestly and vulnerability in the relationship and starting to do that today. 
As the relationship develops, we slowly become more open and vulnerable in the relationship. As I was putting this message together, I felt that I needed to talk very clearly this morning to married couples. I want to speak to married couples this morning. Those of you who are intending to, at some point in your future, become married, I want you to hear what I have to say this morning. Husbands, love your wives by being vulnerable with them. Wives, in the same way that you are vulnerable with the Lord, be so with your husbands. I want to tell you right up front, I have absolutely no secrets from Jane. I'm completely vulnerable, open, and transparent with Jane. Any struggle, anything that I'm dealing with, we share together. And in this relationship is our greatest strength. Why? Because God made us one flesh. And I need to stop, and we need to stop, husbands and wives, we need to stop. We need to stop withholding one part of our lives from the very person that Christ has joined us together with or will join you together with. I feel this strong in God this morning. It's like a huge encouragement from the Holy Spirit saying to married couples and those who are going down that track in some point in your future, don't cut them off. Don't withhold from the person that you've joined together with. Because they will live with the consequences of that, and so will you. It actually is a wedge of division in your relationship. It, it's a wedge of division. Where there is unity, God commands a blessing. If we're not in unity in every area of our lives, then how can God bless our relationship? God wants to bless our relationship more than we ever do. But at some point, we've got to let the guard down and be vulnerable with the person that God has joined us together with. Somewhere along the way, the need to protect ourselves from being vulnerable has superseded the need to connect. I get that. I do. I understand it. Few things hurt as deeply and completely as the heartache that comes from relationships. We've all likely been hurt a great deal in relationships. But heartache and uncertainty is part of being human. And avoiding it is getting in the way of connecting. In response to this, we've stopped allowing ourselves to be vulnerable. We've toughened up. Can I tell you? Really? Honestly? That's really a sign of weakness. When we close ourselves off saying, I'm not going to let you hurt me again. 
That's not a sign of strength. It's a, it's a flaw. There's a weakness in the relationship. There's a weakness in us to make that decision because it takes far greater courage to say, you know what? The devil's trying to split us up. The devil's trying to separate us. The devil's trying to bring division in our relationship, no matter whether it's with your husband or your wife, but with the people around about you in, in, in life in general, with your family, with your church family, with the family of God. The devil's trying to bring division. And I'm not standing for it. I'm not standing for it. In fact, I'm going to stand for you. The, the Bible says that we war not against flesh and blood. But I believe that we should war for flesh and blood. And we should fight for our relationships. We should fight for our marriages. We should fight for the people that are around about us in our church family. We should fight for those who are in our connect group. We should fight for our leaders. Life happens. It really happens in the midst of our vulnerability. It's when you're going to come alive. It might be hard. It might be difficult. But I believe that that's what God wants us to do. It's here in strength and with the greatest of courage that we ask for help. And I know sometimes it just doesn't work because someone said no. They left the I love you hanging. They didn't return that openness of heart that you've done. It's not a reflection on you. God loves you. He, he sent his son for you. Let your life flow out of that, the, the God of the universe. The most powerful person that I have, have ever known is the person that loves you the greatest. It's where we're the first to say, I need you, and tell someone we miss them. We don't shut down our vulnerability. We actually express it and come through with it. There's no more daring and honest and more courageous thing than that which comes with respecting our vulnerability, embracing it, and acting on it. Let's stand. I want to close this message with this. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 and onwards. It says this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And we know the story that the boys fell asleep. But in that moment of vulnerability, Jesus has exposed himself with his struggle. He knows the pain that he's going to go through. He knows the anguish and the hurt. And I'm so glad that Jesus gives us this, this example of being vulnerable. Jesus, the, the, the Lord of all, is saying to us in this passage and, and further in, 
Don't hide your vulnerability. Don't hide your weakness. Don't hide your struggle. But have people there that can pray with you. Hopefully they don't fall asleep. But the ones that you can just say, you know what? I'm just struggling. Can we pray together? Can you just be there for me? You don't have to say anything. Just be there. Just be in the moment. It's the ministry of presence. And Jesus in his vulnerability didn't close up. Didn't, didn't go into protection mode. Didn't call down legions to come to his rescue. But he opened himself up. And said, this I do for you. This I give for you. He's our example, church. He did that for me. And he did that for you. He did that for the worst people in humanity throughout history. He didn't exclude anybody from that offer of salvation and unconditional love. He gave it for everybody. He was vulnerable. He was open. Married couples, husbands, wives, don't close yourselves off. Jane and I have a, a secret phrase that we use. Don't tell anybody this though, okay? It's just a secret between you and me. When we want to sit down and talk, and when we use this phrase, we know each other. The TV goes off. Distractions are eliminated. Phones will never be answered in this moment. Checking a Facebook post is not going to be done in that moment. When we use this phrase, we know it's serious and we need to sit down and eyeball each other and just be open. We're vulnerable. This secret phrase is this. You might like to invent something for yourself. This secret phrase is this. Can we talk for a minute? Can we talk for a minute? That's our phrase. That's what we say to each other when we want to sit down and talk. I'm not lying to you. I'm, I'm, this, is, this is genuinely what we say to each other. And in that moment, we know, hey, I'm going to be open. I'm going to be vulnerable. just need to talk. I need someone to listen. And we make ourselves available in that. What if we said that to God? Hey, God, can we talk? I'm just struggling right now. Hey, so-and-so, would you mind if we talked? In your connect group, hey, guys, could we talk for a minute? See, there's a value of connection. It's the value of vulnerability. It's where we, we hear that someone wants to connect. We hear that someone is hurting. Someone maybe needs counsel. Someone maybe needs silence. And they just need someone to sit with them. Heavenly Father, in this moment, can we talk? Can we talk? Father, I just wanted to tell you I love you. I just wanted to tell you that I I'm absolutely gobsmacked at how, how much you love me and how much you love us. Can we talk, Father? Can we talk, Lord? Just want to open my heart to you. 
and tell you what's really going on in my spirit, in my heart, with the fears and the, the doubts that I have, of this sickness maybe that's come against me, of this financial challenge that I have, of the feeling and I'm just going through life alone. Could we talk, Lord? Can we talk? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're saying. And you're putting in people's spirits this morning a courage to be vulnerable and simply say, can we talk? Can we talk? I don't know... Everybody here this morning, I don't know where you stand in so far as eternity is concerned. But right now, God is, is actually here and he's knocking on the door of your heart. God's here this morning and he's knocking on the door. Revelation tells us, he says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. God's at the door saying, can we talk? Can we talk for a minute? I just wanted to tell you, son, daughter, that I love you and I gave my son, Jesus, to die on a cross for your sinfulness. And if, if you will believe that he is the answer to your life, that he's the one that took on your sin, on his body, that he died and on the third day, day rose again. If you believe that, then you can be my son and daughter. I wanted to talk to you this morning, says God the Father, about my son. Is there anyone here this morning? Maybe you've heard God knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe your heart's beating like a big bass drum and you, know, you feel God's talking to you personally this morning. And maybe you've never said, Jesus, I'm opening the door, would you come in? I want a relationship with you. Is there anybody here this morning you feel like you just want to open the door and say, Jesus, would you come in? I want to hear what you have to say and I open my heart to you this morning. Is there anyone here this morning? I just want you to put your hand up so I know that who I'm praying for. That's all I want you to do and I will pray for you. Is there anyone here this morning that feels that way? Put your hand up nice and tall so that I can see it. I want to open up the, the front this morning. If uh, you, for any reason that you would like some prayer this morning, I'm just going to open up the, the front. Husbands, wives, whatever. I just really feel that God's in this moment and that if you'd like some prayer, I'd, I'd love to pray with you and to see great things happen. Father, I thank you for your people this morning. I thank you that as we sing this song, that your revelation love would flood into our hearts and our souls and that we'd see and experience freedom like we've never had in the past. And I pray that in Jesus' name this morning. Amen.